Clarita here, and I've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. If you want to release your music into the world, DistroKid's the easiest way to get your music into all the major streaming platforms, unlimited uploads, and keep 100% of your royalties. And because you're a Design Freaks listener, you get 30% off. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash Design Freaks. DistroKid. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Design Freaks podcast, where we talk about music industry, art, and design. My name's Clarita, and I am your host. Thank you for listening. Uh, Today, my guest is Byron Wilson of Singles Going Steady Records here in Seattle, Washington. And I want to say congratulations. This year, Singles Going Steady celebrates 25 years in the biz. Is quite an accomplishment, and uh, I have spent a lot of time in the Belltown neighborhood where that store is located. And it's a weird place. It's like a weird mix of old punk and new condos, a sort of druggy element, tourism. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Byron basically saved the store during COVID, and you're going to hear that story during our interview. So thank you so much, Byron. And hey, everyone, next time you're in the area, stop by and buy some records. Um, I wanted to preemptively correct something that we spoke about in our conversation. Uh, we were talking about the debut album by The Clash, and we were wondering whether Penny Smith took the photo on the cover. I'm not always great at doing research on the fly for the sake of sometimes just keeping that conversation going, but I have looked it up uh, since then. And the photo was taken by an American photographer, actually, Kate Simon. She's uh, taken a lot of rock and roll and reggae photos. Her Discogs credits include covers for Richard Hell and the Voidoids, Bob Marley, Laurie Anderson, Linyard Skinyard. Just saying it like it's spelled. The Jam, Lou Reed, Rod Stewart, Talking Heads, I Could Go On. Her website is katesimonphotography.com. And man, what an extensive archive. And these photos are stunning. I'm glad I, I looked that up. So this is where you can go see that original photo from the uh, debut album by The Clash. Byron was talking about how they were standing on a, on some stairs. Well, they're actually... Not. If you see the original photo, you can see it's just like a cobblestone walkway. It's really weird. Um, But yes, 1000% to Joe Strummer in white jeans. But yeah, we just didn't know if it was probably Penny Smith because she famously was the Clash photographer. She toured with them. She took the photo from the cover of London Calling. So anyway, pleasantly uh, surprised and delighted to discover Kate Simon. Uh, She was also contributing editor to Interview Magazine, and she's also had her photography on countless book jackets, and she has her own book, Rebel Music, Bob Marley and Roots Reggae, published by Genesis Publications. Yeah, you can even order all these photos, and she hand prints them on silver gelatin archival paper. From the original negative, of course, signed and stamped. Pretty cool. And speaking of stuff that you can order, I am working on a new merch store. I've I've been saying that for decades, but uh, hopefully that will be up really soon at designfreakspodcast.com. Not just podcast merchandise, but other stuff too. Uh, Follow me on Instagram and you'll know all about it at designfreakspodcast. Um, Also technically on Facebook and Twitter. And for more fun and fascinating music-related content, check out ruinousmedia.com. And you know what? If you enjoy the show, please share it with other vinyl and design freaks. And now, enjoy this true music crime conversation, you'll see, with local treasure Byron Wilson of Singles Going Steady Records 
2219 2nd Avenue, Seattle, Washington, 98121. Hey. Hi, Byron. Well, hello there. Hi, thanks for joining me. Of course. Looking um, forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I have this podcast. It's about you know the intersection of of music and design, or music and art, and specifically, I pay attention to the weirdos of the of of music history. And uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff I want to uncover and talk sure. about. And um, so naturally, you run a record store here in Seattle. You've seen every cover. <laughs> Yeah, uh, especially every punk or hardcore cover, and there's so much crazy art associated with that. Um, I just want to ask you a ton of questions. Yes, yeah. <laughs> feel free. So, how would you for those people who are like, "Oh, we're planning a trip to Seattle," or you know, who just haven't made it to your store yet? How would you describe it? You know, interesting. So, the singles going steady. Obviously, the name comes from the Buzzcocks. Um, it it. it when when it opened in '96, the the guy Pete Pete Genest he started it, and it certainly was a punk oriented store. There was a little bit of outlier stuff, but by and large, it was punk. And through somewhat through necessity and through that we all like different stuff, we start to bring in different things. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it as it stands now, it's still predominantly punk or punk adjacent things. So there's a lot of garage. Uh, rockabilly and and there's reggae and and ska. We've sold a lot of jazz lately. Ooh, like an, an inordinate amount of Sun Ra. There was a a distributor that they they don't update their stuff. And you're going through and you're reading all these titles and you go, okay, I've got I can spend thirteen hundred dollars with this distributor. So I you know you do an order with that's about thirteen hundred, and the order would show up and they only ship like four hundred dollars of the stuff. I'm like well. Mm-hmm. Crap, if I would have known that you didn't have all that stuff in stock, I would have got something else. So mm-hmm. after many, many times of doing that, I thought, you know what, fuck it. Just give me one of every Sun Ra album you have. I figured there'd be maybe. Because <laughs> they never have them in stock. Apparently they came mm-hmm. in stock before I did the order. And when the UPS came, UPS had six full record boxes filled oh. with Sun Ra. Lots, a lot of live ones. Uh-huh. But... Uh, We've sold a lot of Sunrock, which is super fortunate. Well, you know, interesting about that. So a lot of stores downtown have closed. Uh, Record stores. Well, stores in general, but a lot of record stores have closed. We didn't have to stock. One of the differences that we didn't have to, I don't have to stock, say, 30 copies of Billie Eilish or or Katy Perry or something. Not that there's Mm -hmm. inherently anything wrong with that, but... Yeah, I only have X amount of money I can spend, and I would rather be able to get some touring band stuff or some obscure punk band thing because that it's a it's a niche store or a limited interest store, yep. but those people will come in. Yeah, and the you know if the next album from so and so tanks, it doesn't really affect us. Um, I mean, even if I get oh yeah some obscure punk band that doesn't do good, well. <laughs> so we still have so there screen. wasn't a yeah. lot yeah the stakes were yeah. low <laughs> so that that's actually been a plus of having that kind of store i lived in belltown in 98 that's the first place i lived and i was like has it always been and it's just such a uh institution here it's been 25 wow. years that's it's wow. legitimately a, a an objectively a surprising amount of time for a, for a store that, I mean, when when opened <clears throat> when it opened up, as you remember, you were at the the bar, the bar <laughs> doors down up. I remember. Oh, McLeod Residence, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, when when singles opened, it was when there were shorties and lava lounge, as well as the yeah. kind of cool salon store. Vane was there, and there mm-hmm. was, and then there was practice places everywhere. It was a good spot to to be. And Vera. Oh yeah, yeah, and Vera. So it was a good time when Pete opened it and through the changes of just the ebbs and flows of the city in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't have thought that Sun Ra was going to help keep us going, but hey, oh, thanks a lot. Sun Ra, his magic just keeps blessing the planet. <laughs> well, he was from outer space.
ask you, and I won't, it doesn't have to be too much about COVID, but I just wanted to ask, because um, I think people are curious about how that went for you as a, as a small store. As a small store, so I had a decision. We're month to month <clears throat> at right now. Mm-hmm. And we could have closed it at any time. It still could. The landlord could still say, like, goodbye. Mm-hmm. We have a deal with that's We'll give you three months or you give us three months. So it's kind of a three-month lease. That's cool. So when COVID hit, I, I had to make a decision. If I collected unemployment, I would make significantly more money than I'd right. be making. But the store would definitely close. Ah, and I talked to the owner, and and I'm like, he's like, it's entirely up to you. So I could still collect a check and then just go in and try to do whatever I could. So I would take photos, like I would do um, two-tone ska albums, and I'd put a bunch of those up. Or uh, There was one of Sun Ra just because we had a necessity. We had too many. But, you know, I would do... I, we had like all the crass albums in, so I could do a kind of a collage of those. And I was getting not a lot of money, but I was getting enough uh, people like, hey, do you still have that? Can I order that? If you have any more copies of this. And it wasn't a tremendous amount of money, but it was enough to justify going to work. And the days that I have off, I just live around the corner. Mm-hmm. So my phone number is is on the door. Oh, my God. On the message. <laughs> So I get calls from people like, hey, I'm standing here. Can you come by and open up? I'm like, yeah, okay. I can, so I can walk over there. Yeah, there goes the, the stereotype of the snooty record store employee. <laughs> okay, so the snooty record store guy. When I, in San Francisco, there was a store that I loved and was desperately, terribly afraid of it. I still kind of am. It's been many years and I'm still frightened of the store. Record Vault. Ah. And it was mostly like a metal and punk store. And I, I, my, I think my allowance was $10 and we lived on the other side. So I would skate all the way to the store because I didn't want to spend a dollar on the bus. Mm-hmm. That record might be $10. Oh so I would go there and I'd inv- invariably get talked into some horrible metal album that I, I still don't like, <laughs> but I would find all these cool records. And that store, there were so many of those people that were the... Simpsons comic book nerd, yeah. but like the asshole version the of pedantic it. record guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, you're going to, Oh, you like the misfits now. That's cute. Oh, I guess everyone likes the misfits now. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very much that. And I used to get so intimidated before I'd go to that store that it was a conscious decision when I started oh. working at record stores yeah. to not be that guy. To leg- I mean, I do legitimately like if somebody likes an album, Mm -hmm. even if I don't like it and it does mean something to them, I do like that. I think that's neat. Yeah, and you carry it, so you shouldn't be that mean to them. My store that I was deathly afraid of was Sound Exchange in Austin. That's Mm -hmm. where I grew up, and it was like, I would be careful what to buy because I didn't want them to (laughs) think I was basic. (laughs) Yep. Yes, I would. I've many times I've put down the record going like, yeah, I really Mm. want that one, but... This one looks pretty obscure. I think I'm going to buy the most obscure one. one you have to get. Yeah. Ugh. Well, thank you for the, I, I read, I read a little bit of your Yelp just, just to like find the funny ones, which I did. <laughs> and everybody just, you're so personable. You're definitely not the comic book guy. So well done. Um, well, and my favorite Yelp review was the woman who deducted two stars because you don't carry enough classic rock. <laughs> <laughs> so which goes <laughs> <Hooray>! <laughs> which goes back to what we're saying about that's the whole point it's a it's a niche store yeah so that's what that means folks yeah. <laughs> you can i mean i think robert plant's probably the world's most embarrassing man but you can go to any store and find a led zeppelin record i mean we get them occasionally but yeah that's what the rest of the world is for if you haven't picked up you know a fleetwood mac album by now i mean god help cool, you but they're, they're readily available. Although I would buy Tusk on vinyl because I don't have that. But anyways, um, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you about um, your favorite album covers. Do you have a favorite designer? We talked about Crass, and I'm going to do a Crass episode. But so, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I saw that you did one in Penny Smith, and I love her photography. Uh, even th- though I'm not impartial. I re- I love The Clash. I mean, they're, they're my favorite band. Uh, the day that I got to 
have a beer with Joe Strummer is still like the, <gasps> the best day of my life. Oh my God. Um, Tell us about it. I will. It was at the Showbox, And I remember I went by myself. I don't think I was by myself regardless at the show. And I remember you mm-hmm. could still smoke. And I remember I, when you walk into the show box, there's the bar on the right and there's a, a curl that you can, well, a little curl walkway that you can go up. And I was mm-hmm. leaning on it and I was just, I guess, having a cigarette looking at my feet for some reason and I saw Joe Strummer's guitar go by that Telecaster it wasn't in a case and I saw the deny alien orders sticker I'm like holy oh. shit that's Joe Strummer's guitar and I looked up like and Joe Strummer's holding it whoa I could have gone home at that moment and been like cool had a nice night out I had a beer I had a cigarette I saw Joe Strummer walking around it's a good night well when the show was over I had read in one of those British magazines like Mojo or Selector Q or one of those that said when time's available, he hangs out and, and says hi to people. And normally I'm, you know, I work, I help, I, I volunteer to Gilman. I know what it's like. You want people to leave. Like you just, just don't be a dick. Just go leave. And I normally am very much the person that's conscientious. Like, all right, have a good night. But I will be the last person. I, if there's a chance that I meet Chester Trimmer, this is the one night that I'm going to be that guy. And a friend of mine was at the show and he's like, do you want to go backstage? I can get you. You have to go right now. Well, of course I want to go backstage and see him. And I'll tell you this. Here's an indication of how truly awesome of a human being he was. So the the, the gravity of my knowing that I was going to talk to Joe Strummer was making me more nervous than normal. And I was practicing what I was going to say and I thought... I just want to think, think of for inspiration and then just move along and shake his hand if, if possible. So when it's my turn to get there, it's a very narrow hallway. And when you go in, there's at least people standing there and there's people milling around. There wasn't, you kind of cattily, you walk forward and you take a step and, hi, Joe, and you kind of move on. And I get up there and I go, hi. He said, what's your name? It's, it's Byron. <gasps> oh, like the poet? Yes, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my Joe, God. look, I'm happy to answer any questions, but you should <laughs> you should really push me along because I will duct tape you to that seat. <laughs> and uh, he, he's like... Like a flight attendant. Yes, very much. Like, have you read Lord Byron? I, I have, yes. Uh, um, anyway, I know what it's like to be the next person and how nervous he... I just want to thank you for inspiration. It's It truly has changed my life and it's made me... It's made the world a better place. Just... Thank you. Thank you. And he said, well, that's really nice. Hey, do you, you, want, you want an autograph? Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'll have an autograph. I didn't have anything in my hand. And the show was sponsored by Dr. Martin Boots. And wow. it was like a history of, of, of footwear and, and music. And so there was a page of just Joe Strummer. It was a, probably Penny Smith's photo, actually. It was black and white, at least. Mm-hmm. And there was a spotlight. So there's an open area. And he wrote, you know, to Byron, uh, Joe Strummer. And I, and I thanked him, and then I moved on. But because it was crowded, I was only able to go four inches further than I was just standing there before. And I could hear the guy behind me say, uh, hey, that's cool, man. How, when's the Clash getting back together? And I could hear Joe Sturman going, so you're not, you're not liking what I'm doing now? This isn't, this isn't your, your thing? And Mr. Oblivious went, no, it's cool, it's cool. But how cool would it be if it was the Clash? Oh, so. I didn't realize it at the time, but Joe uses me as a pawn. He goes, hey, Byron. And you know when you hear your name, you just you just automatically respond? Uh-huh. I turned, and it was just Trevor. And like his speaking voice and his singing voice are pretty much the same. So I'm hearing Tommy Gunn coming out of his mouth. And he goes, could you do me a favor? Sure. But bury my thumbs in that guy's eyes. What do you, what do you want me to do, Joe? <laughs> And he said, could you, there's a garbage can full of ice and beer. Could you help yourself? But could you get me one? Yeah, I, happily. So I push everybody out of the way and I grab two beers because I might as well get one. And I give it to him and he opens it up and I'm standing kind of the side and the oblivious guy is still talking to him about the clash or talking at him oh about the clash. God. And Joe looks at him and says, hey, man, this is my mate, Byron. Do you mind if I, uh, you want me to sign something, man? It was really nice meeting you, but I want to catch up with him. Oh. He was telling that guy to go fuck himself in the nicest way possible. 
That guy still left thinking like, well, I met Joe Stubber today. He was awesome. But he, he was really just, I don't want to talk to you any second longer than I have to. Wow. And he made up a whole like history that you guys have known. Each yeah. Other. <laughs> I mean, then, then I was wow, that's so just, awesome. and then I was, you know, it was more awkward than it needed to be. As it going, yeah. Well, I would do that too. I would make up all kinds of funny stuff. That I would use people as pawns. That's hilarious. <laughs> but about favorite album covers, um, I was thinking about this. So you, I did. I was thinking about the Penny Smith, specifically the London Calling. But actually, it's the the first album cover of the Clash. The way that they're standing, I don't know why that image is so perfect in my mind. There's, I guess, I like camaraderie in bands, mm. even if it's not mm-hmm. true. Um, the replacements, let it be, when they're sitting on the roof. That to me seems no, yes, let it be. Yeah. That seems like a perfect gang. Like they're having their morning coffee, even though they really weren't friends, and that wasn't the case. That's what that looks like to me. And the the the, I think Paul Simmons on the left, Joe Strummer's in the middle, and and Mick Jones is on the right. Their clothes, the the way they stand. They, there's no better way to stand as a band on stairs than that. I think Joe's got like white pants or something. And I love the treatment, too. Did she... This is her photo, correct? I don't know, actually. Okay. Because I know she went... She toured with them, and... I have that I book. Don't... It's a great book. It's a very good book. And they... The Clash uh, make jokes about each other. They they make the comments. So there's, like, Paul Simon getting out of the pool, and it says, A Perfect Ten. And then Joe Strummer, <laughs> he looks like he's post-mortem getting out of the pool, and it says, Much less. Maybe a one. <laughs> there's some cool photos too of them like going and buying like just junk food at a grocery store just it's there it's less of the photos more of the the story that it tells right no and she was a good storyteller she took amazing photos of the ramones brian eno yeah, yeah she was incredible she is she's still alive but i like yeah. have, have you ever seen any of aaron comet bus's art no did Crim, he did crimp shrine album covers he's in a million bands and i like his it's not it's I don't know how to describe it, but he would he would use I think he went to Kinkos and so he would get shitty photocopy machines with scratches. Uh-huh. And he'd blow up images and kind of distort them. I like the way that looks. My parents are both artists. I and oh. I, I grew up going to museums. So yeah, so you grew up in San Francisco, right? Yeah, with artist yeah. parents. How fun. And my Aunt Jackie was married to Stu Cook from Credence. So I also had a lot of Whoa. music around me. And my dad still by I mean my dad still buys a lot of records and so what's the first i'm just going to jump right to this question what's the first album cover you remember as a kid that really stood out kiss really i i, I remember jackie and Stu lived in in the oakland hills and one christmas i got a bunch of records it was a uh, disney records and things like that mm-hmm. and so i and i loved the monkeys i Kind of, I still kind of do, but but I, then I, I was five. I was four or five. Like it's it's an appropriate age, and I saw a Kiss album at someone's house. I don't remember who, but I remember asking, "I want a Kiss record for my birthday." And so when I turned five, <laughs> I got uh, a Kiss record for my birthday, and then obsessed over them between five and ten, I guess. Yeah, they're visually stunning. Yeah. Absolutely, you know, it's rock and roll. Yeah, it's perfectly accessible music i guess and kissed fans are really intense too yeah we went and saw i saw kissed in 1979 cool. and uh, that was that was cool it was at the cow palace my dad took a bunch of slides of the show there was it was raining so a lot of people had kiss makeup that was running down oh, their face before they went awesome. yeah so it looked like they're melting um <laughs> and i saw them a couple other times but more out of like I guess I'll go I'm not really I don't listen to them and we went and saw them when they came to Tacoma a couple years ago and I was fascinated by it because I haven't gone I don't bands I like generally don't get to play in big venues The Cure Mm -hmm. uh, that Misfits show that happened other than that there's Mm -hmm. really The Stones Mm -hmm. just bands I like generally don't get to play in big venues Mm -hmm. and so we went to that Kiss show and it was a concert it's not a show it was fascinating to watch the people. You know the idea you don't wear the band's show, the band's shirt of the band you're going to see? Right. That's not a rule at a Kiss concert. That is no. very much not in effect. Nope, they don't care. 
I, I just recently went and saw Joan Jett at Tulalip Amphitheater, mm-hmm. and yeah. there were some pretty elderly people just decked out. And I mean, Joan Jett bomber jackets, like everything, <laughs> head to toe. They love her so much. And that was like my favorite part. Of course, I well, love her too. But yeah, and her voice is still great. Um, it was fun, but it was just like, they do not abide by that rule either. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that's, it's maybe more of a, a smaller group idea. Yeah, yeah. Do this. I was trying to think of if there's any album covers specifically. And I started thinking about like the, uh, is it Parched Art? Patched Art? Parched Art. The Laurel Thompson from The Cure. We always think that it's Robert Smith, but it's not. It was Pearl Thompson or Pearl Thompson. Well, when we think of The Cure, that colorful or the lips or the stretched houses or the peoples or the, that's all, that's all that parched art stuff. I love the, uh, also the mixed up record cover. I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. Um, yeah. So I'm sure you've seen it all. Um, is there anything offensive? Do people get like offended in your store or? I mean, if there was like a mentor's record, they'd have a right to. I mean, you have a right to be offended by something, I suppose. That's not the best way to put it. But there's the the sort of the shared knowledge when you go to a store like that and you see Mm -hmm. that kind of subversive punk rock that it's on the good side of the fight. They're not the racist band. It's not the, you know, when you see something like Reagan Youth, which if you're not paying attention, it's just a picture of the clan. Like it it does look kind of offensive and uh, i've had a few people i've moved that in the back when i'm alphabetizing i kind of have that r a little bit further back so it's not faced out there's always some stupid uh usually painting mm-hmm. you know, or bands like day glow abortions the whole deal is trying to be offensive i there's mm-hmm. a there's an there's an online group that i follow kind of i get too many of those to look mm-hmm. here's a picture of my record yeah that's cool i mean i'm glad you like it but i see a lot of them but there's one that's called like crap punk artwork or mm-hmm. crap album art or something like that. And it's, mm. it's terrible. It's they're great, but they're terrible mm-hmm. artwork. It's usually, you know, I like, I like a lot of like kind of positive hardcore, like posse core bands, but a lot of that straight edge artwork really sucks because it's trying to be so fucking serious. Oi yeah. too. I love oil. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it's pop punk. I mean, if somebody thinks that, Oh, you know, you. I like Coxbar, but Green Day is not punk enough, not fast enough. That's You're lying to yourself. They're, it's at all Coxbar, it's Coxbar is all anthems, kind of. Yeah, it's all. <laughs> they're they're one, four, five chord progressions. I mean, they're you can sing yeah. kid songs to them. There's a few of the Oi albums where they're poorly drawn, like some skinhead guy that hey, fuck you. I know. It's like the equivalent of those like funny looking hip hop albums that with the bad graffiti mm-hmm. on it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> It's the same the same vibe. Yeah. I like the shitty drawings though. I like punk records that are like we're not try it's anti design, you know. So I I, I, I like the charmingness of it. Mm-hmm. If it's something that's trying to look well, I guess that's not even really fair because I do like a lot of bad oi. Splodginess abounds. Two 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 cloggers and a package of crisps, please. And quite thirsty. But there's a, a guy, an English man, who would who is drawing on his record label mm-hmm. all the bands, and he's not good, but it is mm-hmm. really charming because it's it's just it looks like if you were going into a fifth grade or sixth grade class and somebody was doodling on their book, this is the album cover of all of that guy's stuff. I love it. I, I love do too. That. that that I do I, like. Speaking of punk covers, um, and it's probably not. I don't know if it's skate punks. Uh, if if that's how it, how it would be filed away, but I was looking online and the woman I can't remember her name, but she played Marsha on um, the Brady Bunch, and she was of course used for the Steel Pole Bathtub album cover, and she shared a photo of herself from the seventies and said, um, "Share a photo that looks like an album cover." And so somebody posted the Steel Pole Bathtub and was like, "You know, you're on this album cover." <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Alternative Tentacles, that, that's a label that has good mm-hmm. artwork. That Winston Smith, like that, that dead, just the logo, the Dead Kennedys logo, uh, or like Raymond Pettibone with the, the black flag bar, like it's just those images that are, they're just a perfect image. So it's easy perfect. to draw, 
or easy to draw. You could even, when we were kids, people would do their shoelaces in the Dead Kennedys logo. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. It's it's like such a simple shape. It's awesome. Yeah, it's perfect. J. Church, uh, well, specifically Lance Hahn. Uh, J. Church, he Lance would use a lot of found photographs, and like that black flag, that Family Man, the cover of Family Man. It's the you know the guy. Obviously, he's killed his kids he's, and his family. Mm-hmm. Some himself. Without the date on the bottom, it doesn't have any power to me. But that date, it just your your brain fills in the whole story, or my brain fills in that story. And Lance Hahn used these art, used these found photographs, and they're all. It's like eavesdropping. I mean, it you see mm-hmm. a, a, a an insignificant to us photo. My brain, our, our brains find reason for it. Like, what is that? What is that? Is, is, a, is it a party? Is he going to get hit by that car that's behind him or whatever? I love all of that. And a lot of the, uh, that student revolution in France, anyone that uses Trump oh, will use yeah. that. I, I, I love uh, all that stuff. All that. And I'm looking at uh, Winston Smith. That's what you said before. Yeah. Is that right? This is incredible collage work, too. God. I tried to get my mom. And my mom does, my dad does impression, uh, is uh, abstract expressionist. Uh-huh. And my mom does more mixed medium, but she does this collage. She starts to be called collage, collogically speaking. Ooh. And I was trying to get her to into the Winston Smith. And, uh, and I did that with Guy Voucher from Crass and realized that's not a collage. Those are all drawings. What? I had no idea until I... Till that afternoon, which was only a couple of years ago. Whoa! I you just have to that, look closer. Huh? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know. Actually, I I only found out within the last few years that that Minor Threat album cover of the person sitting on the stairs with his head down. That's not uh-huh. Ian MacKay. That's his brother. It is. Yeah. I. Who knew? You mentioned McLeod residence. Yeah. Belltown's changed so much and it's um, gotten way more gentrified, um, which is another awesome reason I love seeing that Singles Going Steady is still there because so many things are not. Um, but for some reason, um, the activity or cracktivity, whatever you want to call it, remains. Is it still, yeah. is it just as bad? Is it worse? It's worse. Oh, really? I'd like to think that it's not. I do remember years ago. Um, I mean, I've been there for 25 years. So my the, my ability to, to judge time doesn't... It's not good anymore. I really don't... Uh, all these kind of days blur together. But I do remember one time when Steve... Uh, Steve-O, who now owns mm-hmm. 1234 Go Records in, in Oakland. He and I were working. And these three really sketchy guys came in. And... They were, we, we talked to them, but they were not the usual. We get a lot of, you know, nutbags coming in, but those yeah. are usually funny or yeah. or sad. This These ones were, were spooky. Like they were, they were spooky. Ooh. And I was DJ, DJ, I was playing records at a bar. I was DJing on, at the Lava Lounge. So that would, I didn't get, you know, be done there until like one thirty, two o'clock. And then I would go home. Those guys murdered somebody <gasps> on, on third. And I, I walked I had walked right by, well, there's no spotlight any in that area. The street light's gone. The mm-hmm. hotel has lights on, but not facing that, the, where the dog park is now. It was just the more uh, appropriately named crack park for the time. Right, but, but that's the, by Dan and Ray's store, Yes, right by Dan correct? and Ray's, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And they, but they murdered a guy right next to, like right at that alley, in front of the alley and by the, uh, Whoa. where the hotel is. And it was those guys. It was those three guys. Oh, my God. And was that before or after? And how did you find out? Uh, my mom called and said, you know, just making sure you're okay. I'm like, I'm fine, Mom. It's just, well, did you watch the news? Somebody, somebody. I'm like, no, nah, it wasn't near me. Oh, fuck, it was. It, oh, it was. was those guys. And it, was, it wasn't that long after we saw them. Oh, so they, they went to your store all murdery. Yeah. And then did it. All hopped wow. up with the murder. Oh, and you could tell you could just feel the vibes. Yeah, they they were they were fucked up. They were not it wasn't the usual kind of There's like punishers, like the energy vampires, there's the normal 
Yeah, you get and because it's the same neighborhood, you start seeing them all over the t- the place. Like you're mm-hmm. you're not friends, but you there's they're they're sort of your chum. Hey, head nod. Hey, there, you know, there you go. Mm-hmm. It's it's changed. There was a about. I mean, every once in a while, there'll be a group that cycles in that are really bad, and then they kind of go away. But it's there's just there's no there's no police. We got broken into. Oh. Uh, the barbershop and the cafe and, and we got broken into we have an mm-hmm. alarm which scared them off but when the mm-hmm. cops called when we, when we called the police they said was anybody injured and we said well no say so well okay duly noted and that was it like, that was sort of the end of it at least they showed up <laughs> yeah that's rare I, I, i'll give you an example how truly absurd uh and it, this wasn't even a scary guy it was just like a <laughs> friendly uh, there are these, if you remember in Belltown, there are these some, these cement slab things that kind of come up. There's usually like groups of three. It's public art, but they're also kind of like little mm. seats. Okay. And they're of varying heights. There's a small one, a little higher one, and a higher one. And there was a mm. guy sitting, just not a care in the world, on the, on one of them, on the street corner. Mm-hmm. It's afternoon, sunny. He has a box of drugs. He has uh, these little plastic... Um, uh, envelope things, these little, you know, Ziploc things. Oh, yeah, guys. baggies, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this plastic thing that folds over that I guess weighs it or something or it gets it into the right. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a wino, so I'm not really following how, how this <laughs> the, the drug trade works. There's no one squeezing grapes or making must on my way home. And this guy is literally dividing up his drugs and putting it like in a you know, it's his, his office. It's his office. Yeah. And it's a nice day. Why not enjoy the sun? And they give me like a little head nod. <laughs> huh. You know what? Yeah. Go There's for it. There's a feather it. in your cap. I mean, God. Gee, I mean, I, entrepreneur, I guess. I don't know. He was friendly. I mean, it's <laughs> that. He was enjoying his day. I mean. You've seen much weirder, I'm sure. Like, oh, what about yes. like the weirdos? I want to ask, who's the most famous person that's come into the store and then I want to hear more about weirdos. I have one about dancing, but I don't know if I should say it in the podcast. Um, okay, I, I'll say this. Uh, okay, uh, we get a lot of uh, Henry Rollins comes in the store usually twice or three times a year and has for twenty five years. Awesome. Uh, uh, he comes in quite a bit. He's a big record nerd. Actually, we talk a lot about um, comedians like Patton Oswalt, and when I was still living in San Francisco. It was sort of the beginning of what the alt comedy. Uh, the most famous person, honestly, a lot of celebrities have come through. Bjork has gone in there. Oh wow! Danzig has come in. Uh, he was a good, he was in a good mood. He was friendlier than uh, also a little taller. In my mind, he got comically small. Like, would you pick me up and put me in your pocket? I need to go over there. It takes too long with my little legs. He was taller. He was, I mean, he wasn't the tall man, but the distinguishing factor was that he was bald and had long hair. That's a more interesting ah. difference. He yeah, he's become tell... a leprechaun in my mind, so. With with good reason. I mean, he's, yeah. he's more livable that way. When he's bitching about the sound man, a little less so. Um, here's the thing. He told me that he stole the master tapes of the New York Dolls record. Shut up. Why did and he tell you that? Be- Okay, backing up. So when Dancing came in, I didn't notice him. I noticed his doofus friend. This guy, I mean, if you're imagining him right now, almost perfectly, because I said doofus. That's what what you're thinking. That's what he looked like. But let me tell you what he was wearing, because this you didn't guess. Dancing shorts. Did you know we live in a world with dancing shorts? We do. And he had dancing sweatband. Apparently he was going to do a little little tennis. And he had... uh, uh, like a Danzig-y kind of shirt on. Nicely done. I will say a tasteful dancing shirt. And he had the backstage pass, which I, or the laminate, the lanyard thing. I didn't notice it at first. And he just kept grabbing seven inches off of the wall, going like, do you know this band? Uh, the Briefs, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what do they sound like? Uh, they're a good pop-punk band from... Yeah, I, they're not popular I'm from. But he was doing that haphazardly, like clearly just grabbing a seven-inch... And then saying, like, I, yeah, they're not popular where I'm from. Like, all of them. It didn't matter what he was getting. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I saw Danzig. I just kept thinking to myself, 
uh, you're going to go to that show tonight, aren't you, pal? <laughs> you're really excited about it. You got all oh, all dressed up in the, your, your fanciest Sunday dancing digs. And then I looked over, like, okay, he's with dancing. He's kind of showing off that I'm with dancing. Okay, well, that's, I guess, cute and nerdy way. I, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm all right with the doofus. And then I, I started thinking, fuck, what bootleg dancing stuff do we have? Uh-oh. Oh, Get fuck, it out uh, of there. And I'm, like, doing the alphabet in my mind about where he is. I'm like, that's got to be, he's, I mean, at best, he's at, like, maybe L. It's, it's the oh. next letter, I'm sure of it. And we didn't actually have any misfit bootlegs at the time, which is oh, God. largely unheard of. And I do know that he bootlegs his own stuff, but that's not here nor there. Yeah, but that's for him to control, right? I yes, know a exactly. lot of people do that. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, and so he, we, I started talking to him, and he was trying to get the doofus to buy this boy CD. <laughs> and he, Dancing bought mostly 80s new wave stuff. Mm-hmm. He bought like a New Order 12-inch the doctor and the medics he bought. That's funny. And he was very friendly. He did mention that Rollins mentioned the store, so maybe that's why he was in a better mood or whatever. Well, he told me when he was going through these CDs, we had, he bought the red patent leather, uh, no, the the the, um, the early sessions, the Mercer Art Sessions of New York Dolls. Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, I, you know, I have the original tapes. Like, you do? Yeah, well, I was in a band called The Misfits, and when we were... Uh, <laughs> Recording for Mercury Records, like I went down, we were, it was at midnight, you know, and I went down the hallway, you know, to use the bathroom and I looked over and I saw like two metal tents that said NYD1, NYD2, and I thought it's probably Wow. <gasps> so I said, so if, if it ever says it's remastered with the original tapes, you did it? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know if that's supposed to be out. <laughs> Or was he lying? But possibly. okay, so I can take that part out. But I think but that it's does harmless. Seem, it, it does seem it does seem possible. There's a Mercury. Ah, that would yeah. have been seventy seven. The recorded in seventy three. So that's not that many it years. Checks apart. out. Wow, that checks out. Okay, we've just investigated, and he is guilty, and he's convicted. Yes, this is the this is the uh, <laughs> internet crime sleuth. This is. Uh, yep. Music just... crime solvers. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, unexpectedly. See, it's like a CSI, but music. Um, <laughs> um, so, okay. Well, assuming that's true, that's pretty awesome, though. Um, and I wonder way, what yeah. David Johansson might think about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think he'd be less happy about it. Although, uh, actually, here's a funny thing about David Johansson. Yeah. I saw him play at the bottom line in New York. Uh-huh. And my mom and I were just visiting New York. We we're staying at the Washington Square Hotel because I love Dylan. That's where Dylan used to live briefly. Mm-hmm. And I said that David Johansson is playing at that club. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. My mom's like, well, I want to go. All right, let's. Aww. We're going to go and see David Johansson. So my friend's band, The Swinging Others, had played at Coney Island High. Mm-hmm. So I saw them. I was pretty hungover. I didn't explain that too much detail to my mom, but I was, I was more in the mood to sit down and just let the world happen. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to take photos of this David Johansson show. And so my mom's camera, I didn't know this, had red eye reduction. So you take the photo and it goes tick, 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 tick. And then it takes a photo. So you assume oh. in about seven seconds is the image I want to take, not the one that I'm seeing right now. I didn't know that. And I didn't uh. want to get kicked out. So I waited to the last song and take a photo. And David Johansson is doing hot, hot, hot. Um, and he's doing a conga line around the bottom line. And so I get in front and I take a photo and I'm waiting for it to flash and I'm getting more and more nervous and he's dancing at me. And I have a photo of his eyes, his nose and part of his mouth because he was maybe a foot from me. <laughs> and he goes, the goddamn sun just came out. Well, you better dance, boy. He turned me around, and I had to lead the Congo line no. in New York. He pulled you on stage? No, because it was around. It was out. It was like around the club. He was doing like his little Congo. Oh line hell yeah! I would have been at the beginning of that Congo line. So I was, I was leading the Congo line. Like, but well, this is this is an unusual evening for me. And then I ducked in the corner, and he goes, "Let me guess, New York Dolls." Sure. It's like, okay, I got you covered. And he kind of tapped me. And it wasn't it, it wasn't like a, a normal show for him. He was just kind of doing warm-up for a tour that might happen. Okay. So he was just telling stories. And obviously a lot of people there were, were friends of his. And he did a New York Doll song. But he did say, 
I'm glad that people out there still like the New York Dolls, but you got to remember that, that was my high school days, man. I mean, do you want to relive your high school days over and over again? I don't. Yeah, that's and that's before point. they reformed too. And so they did yeah. do personality crisis, but I did feel really bad about it after him saying that. Oh, uh, no, he loves it. And plus of I, some of his solo stuff is not Buster Poindexter. It sounds like New York Dolls, some of the David yeah, Jones and solo. So I don't, I think he loves it. And I actually saw the reunion, um, tour uh on coney island oh that been cool oh my god and when they at, it was at the end of a festival we had just gotten into new york just in time to see them there was like mia was on before it's one of those crazy wow. festivals that has everything but um and then we got there and the place was so trashed because it was an all-day thing and everyone was so drunk and by the time they went on i mean the roller coaster was going <laughs> and when they played trash everyone started throwing the trash around it was so fun. That's awesome. That's the kind of authenticity that I wanted in a show. I saw Peter Murphy play at an amusement park. And it was one of the funniest, like, just visually. It was August 15th, because it's my birthday. Oh. Uh, that's the only reason I remember it. But it was in Santa Clara, which is uh, just hot and ugly. It, it's just, it's a, it's not the best place of, of the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And, but there's an amusement park there. And Peter Murphy's playing at this amusement park. And he came on, you know, at 8 o'clock. But in August, it's still, it looks like noon. Mm-hmm. And he came out doing as, you know, cut you up to your desire. And there's still, like, the people roller coasters. And there was one that was by the arena mm-hmm. or the area that's called the tidal wave, where you go upside down and you make it up and then it reverses it. Mm-hmm. So in unison, you'd hear this, ah, ah, ah. Ah, over and over, and it was time, so you would you would know it was coming. And he's trying to look, you know, svelte and goth and dark, but it's sunny. It's a beautiful day. There's sweaty goths everywhere. Oh, he did say pretty funny in his not in his defense, but he did say this, which was funny, which was it's always been a dream to play here. Oh yeah, that's hilarious. He's. Yeah, he's funny, but don't make him play during the day. Do you have a favorite album cover? Well, of course, I don't have one favorite. um, Understandably. But I have a top, I would say a top 10. And I love the first Can record. It's all typography. It's uh, Delay 1968. And I'm a type nerd. And so I love that. That's probably my number one. Number two, Oscillations by Silver Apples. And um, I mean, I feel like the snooty record store person (laughs) because it's like, I, those are honestly my favorite. But if, but my first one I remembered, okay, when I was a kid, Sgt. Pepper's. Yeah, I, I, I remember when I was a kid getting albums from like Alice Cooper. Actually, back to Kiss, um, because they don't get any press. Uh, <laughs> all the Kiss <laughs> records had a bunch of goofy, fun things inside. Posters, uh, I remember the, the Love Gun. Thank God I didn't get the double entendre of that, but the uh, Love Gun <laughs> came with like a little paper thing you'd snap and it'd make a popping sound. All of that, like the, it wasn't. I mean, it's still not the music. It was the whole, the whole deal. Like the, the Jean Paul, Peter Ace, the the makeup and the fire, and then all of the cool shit you'd get in records, bubblegum cards and posters yeah. and all of that. And Alice Cooper, whoever did his album covers, at least for a while, they were really cool. I remember the Schools Out was a school's mm-hmm. desk yep. that would pop out and had paper underwear which is kind of had the panties in it yeah thing but all of that like all album covers are so neat when you you can do so much with them i guess is more what i yeah when there was more money in that um they got more interactive there was die cuts there were you know reveals and all kinds of cool stuff because they're expensive they're Mm -hmm. they're absurdly expensive you know Seven Inches used to be such a good way to find out about a band, Mm -hmm. but now that we actually have a phone in our pocket that you can actually hear what the band sounds like, you're already a fan to buy that Seven Inch. You're buying it for a different purpose now. You're buying it as a a companion piece to a band that you like. And because of it, the cost part of it, the album, the artwork is really good because you're buying the package. It's 
it's really more of of that image than of you're, you're buying the whole package, not just buying the song at this point, because it really right. is part of it. And there's been some really good ones. And so, what like what labels do you see investing in design right now? Are these new or are these... Youth Attack? Okay. Youth Attack is a good one. Uh, okay. They they were the first to be really expensive, but they did die cut. There was a like a beanie person that was like cut out. And these really, really clean images, black and white photos of mysterious. It's all the, I'm into some weird underground shit you don't know about kind of stuff. But it's uh-huh. it does really look really cool. I love, like, the first Elvis Costello album. Oh, yeah. That, the black, the 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 um, checkerboard around it. Barney Bubbles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Every oh, single right. one yep. of those checkers had a inlaid text uh done the old-fashioned way where it said elvis is king and all the black tiles e-o-v-i-s teeny tiny little letters i have all the different versions oh Can you wow see that thing? yeah i have the black and white one the yellow one with the weird blue yeah i bought i have all of those ones in frames barney bubbles well guess yeah. what there's gonna be a new barney bubbles book coming out i don't know if you're gonna oh. carry it but it's coming out in the spring and i wrote an essay for the forward <laughs> Oh, very cool. I will, we will. We actually have a pretty big book selection now. Oh, nice. Yeah, I got to get down there. Will you say where you are for the listeners? Sure. We are in lovely downtown Seattle at 2219 2nd <laughs> Avenue um, between Blanchard and Bell. Uh, we are conveniently located by several bars and restaurants and evidently open crack deals. There's ample parking in the area. <laughs> So let's do a, um, where people can find you. Oh, there's there's me on Facebook. Yeah, okay. Byron Wilson. That's what I saw. Yes, Byron Wilson and me. And then there's also uh, Instagram. There's two. There's Roof Moto, R-O-O-F-M-O-T-O. I used to do a zine called Rooftops and Quasimodo. And that's where that oh, came from. Oh, okay. Which I stole from a poem. Uh, and uh, also there's, I think it's Single Scoring Steady Records. Instagram. Yeah, that is. I follow that. Okay, yeah. Everybody follow Singles Going Steady Records on Instagram. And if you like pretty food, oofs or plot. <laughs> Fancy. I mean, it's fried eggs or eggs on a plate, literally. But it's it's also a, a painting from Senator Dolly. Thank you so much. Nice to talk Thank to you. you. Nice to talk to you. Bye. Bye.